0: And welcome to the Truth in this Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And again, I am here recording live. Well, it's not going to be live. You're, you're going to get pre recorded, guys. Uh, I'm in Austin today, and I'm talking with an Austin based freelance writer. He has written for Texas Monthly, Austin Monthly, the Brown Journal of Philosophy, Politics, and Economics. Some people say economics. I don't like them. Uh, <laughs> study Hall XYZ, Badshit Times, and some other joints, as is written here. Please welcome Jade Fabello. Welcome to the podcast. Hi uh, Rob, thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for popping over. We're, we're here. We're doing a cut and paste intro.
1: Yeah, that's what, yeah. That's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure you you. You recognize that? I, I have heard that somewhere. Yeah, he wrote it somewhere. It's, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Um, so in that in that same sort of uh, space. I did the copy and paste, but could you give us that introduction? Give us those vital stats and tell us about your current work. For sure, yeah. Well, as, as you just said, I am a freelance writer
1: based here in Austin. I'm also an editor. Um, I primarily write essays about politics, race, art, grief, love, culture, things like that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a working writer, so I do a lot of smaller stories like profiles on local artists and, you know, top 10 burgers in town, that kind of thing. Uh, but primarily I'm interested in writing about the craft and things like that I have a newsletter called "I Love Words in You" that I publish uh, every week that dives into a different aspect of the craft of writing and yeah I mean that's the
0: main kind of overview <laughs> of it but so so that I think leads me into my my next question actually, which it's almost as if you had the, the questions already I don't uh, know. so your, your writing includes topics like you know politics race art grief love and it, those can be kind of heavy, especially the, the, the... Well, all of them, but especially, like, the politics and the grief part, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and love. Love's a four-letter word. As I, I've said, which sounds really poetic. Um, <laughs> does writing energize you or does it
1: exhaust you? I, I think that's a really great question. It's something I think about a lot. When I was trying to choose my niche and something I'm still developing, as we discussed a little before the recording, I'm only 24. Um, but... <laughs> I, my first like big story as a freelancer was this piece called "What I Learned as a Young Black Political Speaker in Liberal White Austin." Mm. Um, so it was a reflection on my time, while well, doing exactly that. It's a very uh, direct title. It is. <laughs> uh, but I had I basically I had won some speech competitions in high school, um, and through random stance connections, I ended up connecting all of my genuine feelings about uh, race and politics and things I was learning and discovering to um, these speeches. And I kept finding myself in these like local elite rooms and all these different places. And eventually what that piece is about is my rejection of that path because I kept finding in those spaces um, that I was giving these speeches about about racism, and these things I cared about, and connecting them to candidates and a local elite who only you know agreed with maybe a quarter of what I was actually saying. Or sure. Actions only replicated that. Um, and I found myself in a, a, a bit of trouble after I had made that piece because there was really this reclamation of like writing honestly for me, like not connecting my speeches and my writing into something I didn't believe in. Um, so I was really proud of that piece, but then after the fact, I felt this uh, urge, maybe pressure even, to continue writing things like that and have a few more essays in that same vein but it, it is it is very exhausting to make that your main kind of mode of function you know mm-hmm. um, so I mentioned earlier up that I'm, I'm trying to focus on uh, talking about art itself as uh, and, and the craft as like my main niche sure. and then pulling into those those other bigger topics uh, on a more metered schedule yeah. um, so I generally find find writing energizing, but that's just because I've spent a lot of time trying to not make my income depend on just those pieces, just those pieces that are about grief and and race, because I I really don't like the idea of forcing yourself somewhere you're not ready to go yeah. in your writing um before before you're ready to do it. Uh so yeah, generally energizing, but <laughs> it, it's something to to keep an eye out for.
0: Yeah, it, yeah I, I think in doing this, like sometimes in doing podcasts, they can be very. It depends on how much you're taking in because you're, mm. you're talking with people, you're getting their story. You're, and some some people, someone has described this to me off mic that oh you're just doing a therapy session, mm. and it's like <laughs> for some people perhaps, and it it can be a bit trying. So I think. I like to batch record, but I like to mix up what the themes might be and mm. what the questions might be. Because let's say if you're sitting there, let's just talk about race in Austin yeah. for like six episodes. And it's like I'm dealing, I'm, I'm talking with folks about things that are heavy topics that can be rough and it's like I'm just inundated with these different feelings and if you're able to empathize, which not everyone does, <laughs> but if you're <laughs> empathizing, you're like, oh shit, this is this is a lot. And you got to be able to break that up. Like, hey, man, can we talk about cartoons for like yeah, 10 minutes? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's very tough. And a
1: lot of people, like, so the genre I'm specifically in is, you can call it creative nonfiction. Yeah. And part of the reason I wanted to do personal essay within that is I always had trouble when I discovered that I wanted to do nonfiction writing. I had trouble with the idea of going to sources and interviewees and pulling out, like, these really emotionally heavy topics that would give the weight to the stories that I wanted to do in my stories. Sure. So I felt like I don't want to ask people to go somewhere that I myself am not willing to go, um, which is why I, I focus on personal essay. But I've talked to some other journalists in the field or some other writers who, who do great work, but if their niche and their topic is something like covering conflict in the Middle East or uh, shootings or whatever else have you, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough work. And
0: Yeah. yeah. It, it, and, and sometimes it's like there was a situation back in Baltimore where there was some weird things happening within the arts community hmm. and people were being forced out, you know, a thing that happens Absolutely. to people who are, you know, in the in a lower class economically uh-huh. it's like, yeah, Rob, we really want you to cover it, I was like, I don't know if I'm qualified to, right. I, don't, I don't know if that I was like, is it just going to be a complaint session, it's hmm. like and it's like, that's fine, I can take that angle but really what are we trying to achieve here mm-hmm. and it's a it's a matter of like looking for that that answer, looking for that next question. What are we trying to get from this ultimately? Because mm-hmm. I can put on a mic and we can just say, "Yeah, man, you know what really sucks," and you can do that for an hour, yeah. and I'm sure someone will enjoy that. But really, is it going to get some impact? Am I the qualified person to talk about it? Is this the is this the platform for it? Right. And that's I think applicable through any medium. Like, oh well, should this. Let's look at a movie for sake of argument. Should this white guy be talking about race relations in this way? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's the guy to do it. It's right. like maybe you're maybe you're a producer. Maybe you're you're helping to get it out there, but I don't know if you're the guy. I don't <laughs> right. know if you're the person. For sure, for sure. It's um, there's something I wanted to say
1: in there. I'm forgetting it though. Hmm. It just it just floated away. Like it'll, a, it'll hit like you. like
0: on the wind. Okay. It's <laughs> a great me. way to describe it. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, in, part of, in preparation in some ways for doing this trip, I, I'm a big fan of um, audiobooks. Mm. And I've been doing a deep dive into Austin Kleon, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things I remember him touching on is um, the best writers are big readers, right? So who do you read and how does their writing influence you? Absolutely, yeah, uh, thanks for that question. I would say, like most black people
1: who write essays, my first biggest influence was James Baldwin. Sure. Um, I remember being in a long-form storytelling class my junior year of college, and I had been doing, like, I had almost left journalism school a couple of times, or at least switched majors, because there was such a focus on hard news, and just doing, like, the, the standard day-to-day reporting, or, like, uh, reporting, quote-unquote, factually, uh unbiased i'm doing air quotes yeah, yeah. on unbiased <laughs> <laughs> recognizes an audio format but that that professor in that long-form storytelling class asked me the type of story i'd like to write and he was the first time i kind of had the opportunity to realize like oh i like these stories that are imbued with um you know a strong narrative voice and can care like actually focus on the storytelling craft of it as opposed to just reporting the, the facts and the details of things. Yep. So James Baldwin was one of my biggest influences, always has been, and of some modern writers, I think Hanif adur Keeb is doing really excellent writing. Um, they, I, he's a black guy from Ohio, I want to say. Uh, he has this really beautiful piece about Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Lincoln, Lincoln Park's suicide. Uh, I think Hanif does some really just great uh, emotional writing that showcased a lot of care and reverence for life and things like that. Uh, so I'll throw his name out there. Uh, feelings. Oh, I, can't do, I can't deal yeah. with those. Uh, what what <laughs> are those who things? Would, who, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, the, I'll also recommend there's this uh, newsletter writer Anna Cordillerato, I believe her name is. I always mess up if the R is before or after the D. But um, she just finished a newsletter that she had been running for five years that had a lot of great writing and uh, freelance life advice. And there's some local writers who I really respect a lot. That Chukwu, she's an excellent screenwriter who's mm-hmm. speaking at uh, this Writers League event here in Austin on June something. I know this is coming out later, but <laughs> just throwing it out there. Yeah. But And yeah, some other, some other good friends of mine, uh, Kelly Way, Camille Bauer, some, some also great local writers here. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's great to be able to have people that are influences because naturally mm. we steal from them uh, or, or, or influenced <laughs> yeah. by them because it uh, it's not nothing's original. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think a take an approach to it can be an original. I, I think that that's where that that mix that amalgam can can be can be uh, original. Yeah, I think how that's think how that thing is composed. So like, I, and I had to learn it with with podcasting. Mm-hmm. I say, oh, I'm just a black guy on a podcast. I say, yeah, talking to people. Nothing really, nothing really original in that. But no one's—I don't think people are going to ask the types of questions I'm going to ask, mm. or in the in the same way. I remember someone was like, "Oh, you're doing like a Nardwar thing." I was like, nah, I'm kind of mm. doing a Rob Lee thing," <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and not trying to sound like a dick about it. But it's just like, I no, gotcha. this is something that it's its, it's own thing, and I, I think it's important to recognize people like both contemporary that's local that are around that you can reach and touch mm-hmm. and have a have a beer with or what have you. Right. And then people who are their their elders. They're not even around anymore that you're getting influence from. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think um
1: I mean, it's really beautiful to I was reading this piece about like what's the role of um mentor and mentee relationship and how it's just so important for people to uh you know, just keep opening doors for people. I, I say that, and I'm just annoyed at myself because the phrase "opening doors" sounds like such a cliche phrase. But um, I, I, I think it's uh, there was an anecdote from that piece about um, this this writer who's well into his career, and he had extended this opportunity to this young man who uh, completely just didn't show up. Like he was supposed to speak at this class, and uh, for whatever reason, he just he just totally wasn't able to on that on that day. Um, and didn't tell anyone about it and all that kind of thing, but instead of being mad about that, the mentor in the scenario just, you know, extended a lot of grace there and uh, really, you know, put in the effort to just keep, like really understand the, the person he was trying to help uh, on a real human level and, uh, uh, you know, throw away that anger and just keep,
0: keep up them, you know? Yeah. I think that's cool. I, I think it's like what what's your reasoning behind it like um Mm -hmm. i'm in a spot where i try to help people and get into the podcast space especially Mm -hmm. people that look like you and i and you know it's this weird thing where people don't know if it's easy to do or easy to get into they they kind of overestimate and it's like that's fine Mm -hmm. you can think it's easy it's fine, but do you have the stamina for it? Mm. Do you want to do 10 episodes? Do you want to get in a spot to, to start off with? Do you want to get in a spot where you're forgetting to record you got a mm. fire interview and you're like, <laughs> you need to start over and then you yeah, make sure that's I'm recording? Uh, <laughs> and, 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 that's, and that's one of the things. Like you're trying to pitch it to people, and then it's that question of what's the value in it, and mm. I find myself trying to extend grace, which is something that I'm learning to do, and, but at the same time, my, my base starts off with, I want to help people if mm-hmm. I can. And, you know, I'll extend it. That's That's what I do. But it's like, let's not, you know, I, I'm I'm a neophyte when it comes to grace. Mm. I'm like, yeah, screw you. You didn't show up. <laughs> that, that, well, <laughs> that, that might be what I say. Actually. <laughs> so, so, so stepping back, um, mm-hmm. tell me about your writing process and um, if you could key in on what's the most difficult part of that process for you? Um,
1: I would say that generally speaking, when I sit down with a blank page, I adopt a strategy that's very similar to um, Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, which is a very popular book about writing. In it, she talks about this practice called the morning pages, okay. which is a, a journaling tool where you sit down every morning. Um, she recommends you do it uh, by pen and paper. I don't, but just you write a stream of consciousness, removing all filters from what you're doing. And the idea of doing it in the morning specifically is that as you go on your day, you put on these different master facades and different aspects of yourself, but in the morning, morning it's supposed to be the rawest, truest version of you. Right. And so when I sit down to write, I mean, regardless of the time of day, <laughs> um, I always try to just fo- like locate any single thought thread that I have uh, within like, you know, a certain scope to, uh, you know, help the later editing process and I just follow it. So if there's like a weird you know, anime quote or song <laughs> lyric that comes to my head that's related to this or related to the feeling or idea I'm talking about, I'll put that in there and uh, address it later. Uh, I very much like the idea of writers aren't writers, they're rewriters. Mm. And so I I build that into, into my entire process. I would say the most difficult part, um, there's so many... Small logistical things that go into you know actually making a career out of writing, as sure. I'm sure you're familiar with podcasting or any creative field uh, and i I had the revelation at s- when I was trying to send out more pitches to get more stories going that while I felt like my writing crafter was ready i the writer wasn't ready yeah. for this certain level of story, the certain level of a uh, uh, publication rate or whatever it was so I would say there's so many little small things that seem very simple, but then there's like a thousand different tiny steps behind them. Yeah. The example I always use is for pitching a story to a publication, all you're doing basically is finding someone's email and then, <laughs> yeah, writing two paragraphs saying, do you think this is a good idea? And then eventually they get back to you or they don't. Yeah. But it took me months to figure out that I needed to find someone's email. <laughs> like I, I had been asking around and I even had the advantages of being at a, a you know, a really great journalism school at the University of Texas. Um, but for whatever reason, the people who did know that answer, it might've been so obvious to them they didn't even think to tell, like, you know, it just, it, it took me a long time to figure that out. And so there's all these different small steps that have, uh, a lot of bigger problems behind
0: them. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of one of these quotes, and I know I'm paraphrasing, but it was just basically the sentiment was masters of people who have done something for a long time, mm-hmm. they forget those like kind of smaller steps, yeah. and it's like, oh, oh, you didn't do that? <laughs> I thought you, you should have known that. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I kind of have to do that thing, a call to, a call for entry sometimes, mm. because what this whole medium is it falls I think into multiple buckets Mm -hmm. there's a journalism side to it there's a documentary side to it there's multiple angles to it and it's like the same thing that writers might need the same way that the same thing that um, people that are like doing documentary in like a, a like a film sort of way yeah you, you need people to share your stuff. You need people to put that thing out there. We need, we need growth and, and things of that nature. And sometimes it's a call for entry of, hey, you know, this QR code would be great somewhere mm. where people can check out what I'm doing or maybe a small piece being written because people have to hear these stories. That's the point of it. Yeah And... Sometimes it's finding that email. It's like, all right, so how do you make a resume parser? I mean, uh, <laughs> an email parser or what yeah. have you? Uh, how do you grab those things? And it's a lot of searches on like contact us pages. Mm, yeah. And it's like, all right. And one of the things that I, I implemented into, I guess, what what my process is in terms of like the administrative side, which mm-hmm. I've I built out that I have hired a, a person to help me. I don't, I don't use the term assistant, but essentially they're helping on a lot of the admin For stuff. Sure. I'm like, yo, send out the emails around one. People are gonna answer there. I was like, I have verifiable, because I used to right, work yeah. in like an email marketing code. It's like, send it out at one. You're gonna get a higher response rate. And do a delayed send. Google has it in there, right, Just, Yeah, you know, and the two paragraph, this is who I am, this is what I wanna do, this is why you should care, kind of. Right. And that works, but to your point, or to one of the points, I think, when you put that that great email together, you think this is going to be great, and then no one responds. It's like, oh my bad, bro, I didn't see that. It's like, I hate you. I hate what you represent this <laughs> stuff. Yeah,
1: um, I mean, I like the point you're touching on there. Is I mean, breaking these skills down into all these smaller little pieces of it, or or you realize like, oh, you need to learn analytics and marketing to to exercise this craft in the way you want to. I, I remember being in college at the time where I was doing. A couple of different things like public speaking, like I mentioned, some version of writing. At the time, I was also modeling for this fashion magazine we had, and it was um, like I was getting a lot of positive feedback from teachers, professors, and be like, "Oh, that's great! You're doing all these different things." And then I had told this to um, the, the black woman who run, ran the J school at the time, the journalism school, Kathleen McElroy. I I was telling her all this, so excited about it, and she looked at me sideways and was like, you should pick something. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. Which which was great, and it was the first time someone had really uh, told me that in in a good while uh, to have me focus on uh, pursuing something. Uh, And I I picked writing, but then once I start doing writing or really focusing on writing, you realize, oh, that branches out into a thousand different paths as well. Mm -hmm. You narrow and then you branch back out and realize I need to work on... My publishing speed. I need to work on my, you know, self promotion aspect of it. Whatever else have you? Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I find like, you know, people are. I think writing feels kind of transferable, mm. and because I always have this running bit, this this thought in my head. I was like. It's like we're dumb here. People don't read, and I say, but everyone's trying to bring in writers to turn them into something else now. Mm. It's like I want you to write this type of stuff. Kind of going to the thing that you were touching on earlier. It's like, oh, you know, neutral journalism, that kind of sort of thing. It's like unbiased. Mm. I'm saying, yeah. An audience, he did air quotes as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, inverted commas. Uh, yeah. If if you had to do something differently as a kid <clears throat> or a teenager. Uh, to become a better writer as an adult, what would you do? I would say that if I had to do something differently, I mean...
1: It was three uh, weeks ago, by the way. <laughs> audience, I'm 24, yes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm pretty happy with the idea of whatever you were doing before channels into your writing, whatever craft you're doing. Um, like, I, I did speech and debate in high school and, and things like that, and that gave me a good basis for argumentation, even though... That's not like writing anyone would want to read or you know be a, like emotional writing, but that that all really helped. Uh, but one thing I think I would have liked to do more of is maybe you know, appreciate the stories that I liked younger or liked when I was younger even more because mm. there's something that happens when anybody pursues a craft when they start looking at uh, pieces of 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 that craft as a creator of it as opposed to a consumer of it um like i know jack shit about music so when i listen to a song i'm not being like oh that's an a chord whatever i don't i don't even know enough to finish that example um but my my friends who musicians they're able to listen and be like oh they're doing this 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 and that um and so what is really magical about storytelling is you know just being able to appreciate uh you know the invisible hand of, of the of the writer and just like being taken along that ride and there's still plenty of stories that do that and I'm completely flabbergasted by like how how the writer's able to to create this effect um, but I think I I probably would have just, yeah, wanted to read even more or just consume more stories. I don't like using the word consume, but you know what I mean. I get you. Yeah.
0: Um, Also, the first time I heard the word flabbergasted said on this podcast, so thank you. You're very welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I, I think we can do that revisionist thing. Say, I wish I knew this. Mm -hmm. It's like, look, all of it is baked in. That that lived experience of, yo, I wrote a terrible one. Mm. And you got to look back at that to see what that progress looks like. For sure. I when people when people like yeah listen to your podcast it's like how far did you go back though? <laughs> I went back to episode one no it's yeah. like you gotta start with the good ones not the not the me trying to figure it out ones <laughs> for uh, sure and so it's a thing yeah and, and to be honest outside of the premise of the question you asked me I wouldn't change
1: anything you know
0: I mean, <laughs> even yeah. that I mean I'm fine with how that went <laughs> absolutely yeah. I mean, as you should, and I definitely am getting the the speech and debate sort of thing off you. I'm definitely getting that. (laughs) I'm gonna take that as a great insult. But (laughs) oh no no no, it is a compliment. compliment. Uh, So, could you tell me about um, Afro Rhythm uh, Futures Group and how do you define? People have always shied away Mm -hmm. from this question. How do you define Afrofuturism? Yeah. um, So, real quick, Afrofuturism for those unfamiliar is
1: basically just this field of study, a discipline where you imagine black people in speculative sci-fi scenarios or in the future, and or in the future. That's it. Um,
0: I don't know why so many people shot, and I don't think I'm qualified. It's, like, it's what it is. I don't say it because I'm I'm just Joe Black guy. <laughs> but I, well, actually, I'm probably part robot. Who knows, but still. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the Afro-Rhythm Futures group is this Afrofuturism startup I'm a part of
1: alongside my uncle and then Ahmed Best, who, ha- who played Jar Jar in Star Wars. Um, Strong. Fun facts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically what we do we run uh, educational workshops with this world-building card game we created, that basically just has people have a conversation about the future, and uh, it's, it's really a creativity tool to uh, allow people to think of new options and possibilities.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. It, one one thing I would recommend you check out, um, which is a shameless self-promotion in the of a mobile podcast, <laughs> but um, Terrell Telford had a really good interview on here, and mm. he was talking about this this stage where the year that the original Star Wars came out, mm. and it was like maybe, it was like some centennial. It was like the future, potentially in speculative sort of way, mm. and the the past were coming together in 1977 at yeah, the same time. And he was like, I was like like six or something. He's like, I'm just seeing this great thing that's gonna be around for like the next 50 years with Star Wars and mm. something that was like 50 years old at the time. He's yeah. like, wow, this is, this is a great kind of like moment in time. He's like, that's his memory from childhood. Yeah. So when you were like, "Yeah, I got six, I was six in there. Star Wars for me it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, you know, this is this is going to be a part of your life for the next fifty. Enjoy." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's one thing we say in in
1: that afro uh, and Futures group is having the the idea of having reverence for the past, awareness mm-hmm. for the present, and creativity for the future. So it's really about yeah, blending together all, all three of those and seeing them in this kind of continuum.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. When you you hear like being you know being cognizant of future past and what's right in front of you mm-hmm. i think you are too focused on probably the past probably the future so <laughs> having those mental health challenges that pop up mm. like oh as we look at the future i don't know if i'm gonna be a success mm. sounds like anxiety yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure uh so i got a couple more here for you yeah. um do you, from from this kind of journalist side of things from this you're you're an intellectual type I, I get it I get it that is an insult actually no okay. yeah I, I took it as one well. yeah. you should as you should um, do you prefer f- quickly finding the answers or, or looking for the better questions oh that, that's a great one um, thank you yeah ooh they've okay. backhanded
1: don't you? <laughs> I, just like all the other ones that's a great one just shots back and
0: forth.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I
0: think so. W- lay out the two options for me again. Do you, Do you prefer quickly like finding the answers like Oh, that's what that is? Or do you want to get to that next layer? Do you want to get really granular and find out the better question? Like when people talk about, well, this is the root cause, now you got to go a level lower.
1: Oof. I mean,
0: it's that's,
1: that's such a ch- like because it really depends on the arena you're operating in, but. Sure. I mean, like on a, on a basic level, when I'm talk I'm interviewing somebody. I mean, I love asking questions that someone hasn't been asked before, that kind of thing, and really finding um, something uh, that people are passionate about. But if you're going on a broader societal level, uh, in terms of uh, serious whatever isms you want
0: to plug in, why aren't black I, people in Austin? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, that's spicy. All,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, that's a thirty minute podcast. By <laughs> <it> sure <laughs> is,
1: um, but it. it it's a matter of, there's so much wheel spinning that people do, there's so much, uh, uh, Rob, there's, there's too many <laughs> can of worms to open up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, totally, totally. 30 minute podcast, the third hour, two hour podcast, but um, yeah, in general, I, I guess for the sake of simplicity, I'll go with, I prefer asking good questions, but I also think people should be more active and not
0: spin their wheels as much. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. And I, I kind of got that off of you because you, it's hard to be a journalist if you're not asking the, mm-hmm. those deeper questions. But I think also being aware that sometimes the answer is simple. Yeah. Sometimes the answer is like right there. Like you, you can go overboard and it's like, oh, why does this happen? People suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think we have an answer. But then I, one of the things I always play with is the the why part of it. I always go for that why and it's like oh well these reasons mm-hmm. why it's almost like the i think in um, data analytics world it's like the five whys mm-hmm. once you get down to that fifth one that's when you're starting to figure out like what's at the foundation of these yeah. things and people don't ask enough of those whys to really figure out what's going on yeah and this is when you have these goofy um policies that pop up mm-hmm. like oh well black people are criminals Well, societal things, um, laws that we put in place, um, scarcity. Well, I think
1: a good example of an answer to this question is you know, people talk about John Oliver's HBO show all the time, and he dives deep into all these different topics. But what he can't say or he doesn't say is like at the root of all those problems is capitalism or what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so (laughs) that's him going deep, but also the simple answer is there, but you know, for whatever reason, he can't say it, you know. the, the qualifications like who yeah. are you
0: you're 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 not from this country so you're back <laughs> and also i because this is a non-visual i was being facetious when i say black people are criminals because <laughs> clearly i'm a black person right. and i am not oh, a criminal they got the icon on your thing oh, no. <laughs> it'll, it'll, be, it'll be there it'll be there in post yeah. it's fine sure. uh, but, uh so now let's talk about austin a little bit sure describe um that first memory you have of austin because you're a native right well i've been here for 17
1: of my 24 long years (laughs) (laughs) Um, but i yeah i moved here from houston when i was around seven or eight eight Okay. yeah after my parents split and uh first memory of austin i'm just i'm i mean i'm just picturing an elementary school playground i can't (laughs) Uh, i mean we we first moved into a a motel like near the highway for a while and I moved into my mom's friend's spare bedroom uh, and uh, I mean there's a there's a quote from uh, the Last Black Man in San Francisco where oh, yeah. great film uh, where the main character's on a bus and he overhears some like new transplants talking about how much they hate the city and he says to them you don't get to hate it unless you love it and, yeah. yeah, that's how I feel <laughs> about yeah. the city, generally speaking. Uh, you and I were talking uh, pre-show, it's goddamn hot here. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, whatever, tech companies coming in, gentrification, out of control. You yeah. know? It's um, running
0: wild like Hulkamania. Oh,
1: absolutely. I, uh, I wrote a piece the other day about uh, top, like, eight soul food places in town. And in between Monday, when I put together the list, and Wednesday, when I wrote the list, Two places had closed, uh, so you know shit like that happens, uh, and uh, I mean it's not it's not getting better. But you know this is my hometown, and I, and I love it. Uh, I love the people that I know here in the all the community I have, uh, I like the coffee shops. <laughs> I mean, you know uh, it's got it's it's got a hell of a history. It's got uh,
0: a lot of problems. Uh, love it, hate it (laughs) as I think any any city does like as a as a native Mm Baltimorean I always have to rally and be a homer for Baltimore and and be in this kind of spot where it's like you're not qualified to hate this city or even like rallying and saying like where's the pride at though at times Mm -hmm. and it's like you you I think a place has to have its identity Mm -hmm. and it has to be firmly there and I think, and and maybe I'm wrong so correct me please, but I think what happens is in those problems there's a shift from what the place was. It's Mm -hmm. like, this isn't what it was when I was here. It's like, I see it's purposely being shifted to look something else, like yeah. something else. And it's been
1: really rapid uh, in the past couple years. I mean, arguably, I mean, I'm again, only whatever age I am, but some people would argue the change t- from Austin started, you know, before I was born, but a couple of years before that, decades before that. But uh, there, there definitely is a, like I, I was just downtown the other day and uh, random people was talking to a bar. Like everybody had just moved here within the last like three or four months, new people coming in every day. Um, which you know it happens, but uh, there's definitely like just walking down South Congress, our, our main street. You can see. Mm. I mean, it it looks more Californian, you know, <laughs> and more corporate restaurants, more this this that or the other thing. Very mm-hmm. tangible feel to that. Yeah,
0: I that's the, that's the thing that I try to look for. Like I, when I go to a place, when I travel anywhere, and this is the first time I've been here, I. You know, I try to go to get a a sense of what's here. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that feels like a chain with rare exceptions, I'm like, no, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. If it's something that, like, yo, you should go here, all right, like, when I got the recommendations from you, I was like, (laughs) all right, I'm going to check that out and, you know, figure that situation out. And I think if you're getting getting something that's like, oh, yeah, it's so great for sure. Like, it's not, it's mid, it's, it's (laughs) It's, it's 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 not great. Or... Like I have a list of whenever I go to a place because you know you travel through food is what mm, I do. Yeah, it's like all right, I had tacos. Right. Fine. Now I just need to get uh, I need to get barbecue. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. And I don't want to go to a place that feels like oh you opened two weeks ago. Yeah. I, I don't want that. Like where is the shack? You know <laughs> right? where is like the dude that's got like this yesterday? I, I want to get water from uh, let's let's call it a bodega. Sure. And I saw a dude go on air into the laundromat with a cane and an ankle bracelet on. Mm. I was like, you're being monitored. This is where I want to be at, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. These are actual real people. It doesn't feel like it's contrived, sure. because I feel like there's a version of this in Baltimore. Yeah. And that's the thing that I'm looking for. It's like, where are the real people?
1: Oh, yeah. When I went to Rollins the other day, I went in there, and there's just like three guys sitting at uh, tables by the window. Uh, I think one of them just asked for a knife. and. I, Roll, presumably, Roland <laughs> walked out from the back and just had like a little a paring knife that he just took from the kitchen. And he's like, "Is this good?" And he's like, "Yeah." And that's a good spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Roland's is the
0: real one I wanted to recommend to you. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have that on you know in mind. Yeah. Uh, so I got two more for you before I get two more real questions. Sure, sure. Before I get to these rabbit fire ones, because everyone gets all like, I don't want to do the rabbit fire ones. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that's the face I look like when I'm making fun of someone. It's not like, whining. Uh, <laughs> What would you say to someone who's never uh, been to Austin um, in terms of like, uh, like attractions? Like, what what are the must-sees kind of here? If you were to pick three things that you feel like this is a Jade thing, like I, mm. you need to go here, you need to check this out. What are three things for you? Uh, as I said, I and, you know. Uh coffee shop guy really like.
1: My favorite coffee shop in town is probably Opa. It's on uh, South Lamar. Uh, used to be a little grungier, they just did a new paint job. Uh, but it's a, it's my favorite coffee shop. Got a nice big tree in the yard. I don't know what else to say about it. It's a good coffee shop. Um, I would say, I mean, I'm pretty firmly in my like, stay at home, play board games phase. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but, um, let me think, what else, I mean, God damn can I do I do I really only have one answer to that? Um. It seemed like it yeah, I was <laughs> like uh, are you really are you really living here 17? I, I, sure am. I it's goddamn hot <laughs> these days <laughs> I'm staying home
0: Wait, ugh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> What a song of this <laughs> Yeah
1: um geez I mean a lot of places. Like, there's a there's a nice spot called uh Grape Crazy, also on Southmar. I like South Lamar. Uh
0: You're uh, selling the ticket right now, by the way. Huh? You're selling the ticket. I'm gonna have to hit over to South Lamar.
1: Yeah, yeah. I well I had thought uh, this place where we're at right now was closer to South Morrow. I recommended Ramen Tatsuya, and it was not, so <laughs> it's totally... Anyway, um, I, I like those I like, those two spots. I like going to... Uh, if, if you want to Like I like Floppy Disk Repair, which is a speakeasy. I've seen that place. Yeah, it's I've cool. seen the, Yeah, You've got to get the code from... There's various places you can get the code, but you can get it from Firehouse if you ask the bartender at Firehouse because uh, they change it every day and you go in they have a lot of oddly enough they have a lot of cereal and milk based drinks <laughs> I know that doesn't sound appealing and I can't even drink those I'm very lactose intolerant oh no <laughs> yeah it's tragic but um, it's a it's a
0: cool little joint um, lactose intolerant as well was told earlier <laughs> that was a thing I heard earlier I was like thanks for sharing I'm yeah, using that that's fun I'm pretty sure it comes from my Filipino side but yeah, <laughs> yeah well, what do you gotta do um, but I mean that's three places <laughs> no I, I, yeah. I appreciated it for sure uh, lastly, um, in what ways you know where you're you're at now being here for you know a big chunk of your life how do you feel like Austin has influenced your style in terms of either how you approach things creatively um, personally or even professionally
1: mm, yeah um, I, I've always said like, Austin feels like a big small city um, it, it's always been like you you know you go to a grocery store somewhere and down you run into like five people you know or something like that, even though it has the like if you look at the skyline it kind of looks like a big city but then you like go around it and it's like oh that's kind of all there is <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not it's not that big ultimately um, so I definitely have always liked that energy of it where there is some stuff to do oddly enough not that many like art museums or things like that people are always surprised about that mm-hmm. when they come here um, but there there is enough of a creative scene and enough of a community and people that like uh, like I, I really have uh, felt like a, a great sense of community here and uh, the people that I love and my family are all here so um, that that's always been a big influence on me but there's, there's there's enough to do even though I could only barely think of three places and I tell you it's my job to also list all the things that happen in town you know, <laughs> like... yeah I, I just, it's mostly a memory thing more than anything just,
0: um, just, just say you have somebody playing you for the day it's just like I just sent someone I was like I sent an assistant I, I know, unfortunately this is how I am all the time it's like here's the wig here's the jacket go do <laughs> this podcast uh, <laughs> but, but yeah
1: I, I think uh, uh, on on the other end of it I think uh, uh, I, I don't mention this as much because it feels like something from my past now but it was very formative of me growing up here Uh in, as we've alluded to, Austin's only, like a single digit percent black or whatever. And it's one of the few or only major cities, last time I checked this stat, with a growing general population, and a shrinking black population. Mm. Um, and I very much, when I was doing my political speaking, that was a big influence on me in that I was saying, like how I generally felt about racism and I was, uh, giving all these speeches by, you know, simplifying, racism bad. Uh,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. monosyllabically Simplifying,
1: yeah. Um, but I was giving them on these stages and to these crowds and these are the same people who gave me the racism I experienced growing up here. Yeah. And so it was, it was, there was this dissonance of feeling like, I don't want to be telling folks here like, hey, we're the good guys, y'all are the good guys but also this is where I've grown up, this is where I've experienced what I've experienced. Yeah. Um, and so that was definitely always a, a big factor. Um, and when I got to college, it was nice to be able to kind of um, uh, connect with more of uh, you know, the, the, like at my high school, it was like 4% black, it was like a 3000 person high school. Whew. And then, right? Um, and then, Cotlin was also a similar percentage, four or five percent, but it was four percent, 50,000. So I was able to find a lot more community and people there yeah. and uh, a lot of people doing uh, some cool work in town. There's a guy you should check out, Javier Wallace, who runs Black Austin Tours here, uh, who, who does great like kind of deep dives on the city. He also works at UT. Um, but yeah, so, I've been able to find the various communities I need here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it wasn't for, like, I I generally wouldn't, like, I don't feel an urge to leave, aside from, you know, what whatever external factors of rent cost or all these different things. Right. But on on the emotional level, I would I would love to.
0: This is my home, you know. Yeah, and I'd love to stay. Yeah. On the same on the same page about Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Baltimore seventy percent black. Oh. oh okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you know you can get all the stuff that you need all the you know, That's good to know. camaraderie <laughs> what's going on brother what it is man <laughs> she's like watch this airplane Why is this that scene <laughs> alright so I got, I got some rapid fire questions for, for you sure. um, I'm going to start off and in, 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 please keep in mind because I always like to give this, this preface please or preface because people like to say things weirdly sure. um, keep in mind Answer these as quickly. Whatever pops in. My, act, act like that, it's that writing practice Okay. In yeah. the morning. Yeah, yeah. The All right. Uh, text, phone calls, or emails? Which is your preferred? Uh... Emails.
1: I, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not for friends, but like, I send a lot of emails professionally. I do. Uh, and got some good email track. You said quick. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. Salty or sweet? Uh, salty. Do you want me to elaborate? <laughs> no, please, please elaborate on that one. Uh, What's your favorite salty treat? Oh, my, you didn't say treat. You just said salty or sweet. Well, I'm, and I'm feeling I'm, like beef tips
1: and rice right now. You know, so
0: okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of beef down here. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna save this one for later because I, I, I noticed something. I'll be remiss if I don't mention it. Uh, favorite emoji? Favorite emoji? I like the little confetti popping emoji. Nice. Yeah. Uh, favorite travel destination, and what's an activity that you do when you go? Uh, well, my partner, whose name is also Jade, um, fun facts, is it, <laughs>
1: going to school uh, out in the U.K. in London. So I visited uh, them not too long
0: ago. Loved it.
1: It was not. <laughs> you know, it just kind of happened.
0: Feels, yeah. feels kind of intentional. <laughs> yeah, does it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my partner, her, her name begins with a, a K and a U, and mm. mine's is an R and an O. Uh, <laughs> and you can put that together if you want wait alright it's a television service mm. oh yeah that's fun yeah uh-huh. <laughs> it's like you guys are like Roku I was like Ew, no. I <laughs> like say something different we're uh, a Chromecast family <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paying for that subscription <laughs> uh, lastly uh, describe your fashion sense in three words because I'd be remiss if I don't look at your earrings and see that they're friggin like the tips of they like, are pen nibs yeah. I did
1: make these I made these oh, nice um, good on you that was cool yeah um, I actually, I had a damn. I'm not
0: doing what you're asking at all. No, this, but, <laughs> is, this is this is why I left this one for the last one.
1: Okay, but yeah, I my my late godfather, um, he was very into clothes. He actually made both of these pieces I'm wearing now. Like he sewed these weird patches onto them. Yeah. Um, but he. Uh, he was just very into to weird clothes, and he, he started doing really well for himself at some point, and bought a lot of expensive stuff. Uh, and we we were always the same size, so I'd always go for, to his place, and he would, uh, you know, it just kind of show me around. He's like, "Oh, these these are the most badass." And it was it was great, you know. It really helped me out a ton in life, <laughs> just in general to be have access to all these nice clothes I wouldn't otherwise have. Um, and I, I inherited uh, uh, even more of his clothes after he passed uh, this this past year. Uh, so I would say uh, my style is, um, it's, a, it's a bit eccentric, but it's from, yeah, it's, <laughs> I just like wearing stuff I like, you know? It's, yeah, yeah. this it's, it's, cool a little
0: weird whatever <laughs> I, I like it it's it's, it's your own thing mm-hmm. you know, i dig it but also it's something that carries over from your um your, your godfather yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah if, if i could find someone that was like my size like i <laughs> i sized out on my dad's size mm-hmm. when i was like mm, let's say 14 yeah maybe younger it's like because like my dad's 5'9 oh yeah i am 6'4 i noticed that yeah like, oh, <laughs> you're, you're a monster yeah. you're just, it's done um <laughs> So that's all I had for you today, Jade. Um, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And two, I want to invite you and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, your work, social media, all of that good stuff. Absolutely. I mean, I had an absolute blast. Um, yeah. Uh, as, as I've said, my name
1: is Jade Fabello. You can find my writing on jadefabello.com. Uh, the newsletter I mentioned earlier where I talk about the craft of writing, uh, you can find it at ilovewordsandyou.substack.com. Um, is that right? that sounds right. Uh, it's kind of long. Um, go to jadefabello.com. I should just take this over again, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. Uh, <laughs> um, you can also follow me on Instagram where I post all the different things I do at jade underscore underscore FAB, Jade Fab. Uh, I have a Twitter that I use occasionally, jade underscore FW. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I do. I write things. Uh, <laughs>
0: For for the the fab, Uh Jade Fabello, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, writing in and around uh, your neck of the woods, like Austin. You just got to look for it. The Truth in This Art Beyond is produced with the generous support from Raisin in the Sun, Black Art Matters ATX, and Six Square. Raising in the Sun is an Austin based nonprofit organization whose work focuses on cultivating resilience through art and environmental initiatives. Find more out about their mission at RaisingInTheSun.org. Black Art Matters ATX focuses on amplifying black voices in Austin's cultural conversation by financially supporting new work from black artists based in Austin. Learn more about their work at BlackArtMattersATX.org and Six Square. Their work focuses on preserving and celebrating the historical legacy of the African-American community that once thrived in Central East Austin. Learn more about their work at sixsquare.org. Thank you all for your generous support.